Hi, I'm Chris Frostad, the president and CEO of Purepoint Uranium Group. We're an exploration company operating in northern Saskatchewan in the uh, Athabasca Basin, and we have 12 active projects right now where we are uh, working quite aggressively, uh, particularly over the next uh, the next coming year. Brilliant, Chris. Good to see you again. Um, I'm seeing this is the end of August, beginning of September, I think. It's, what, what a wild ride! It was. It was a year. It was a year, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking more, more particularly towards the end, obviously, with, with, with Sprott's Physical Uranium Trust uh, kicking into action and then um, then getting a little bit quiet towards Christmas. I think people were expecting it to be shooting to the moon, I think the phrase is. Yeah, to keep going. I mean, we've always referred to it as a tipping point. When when it started to move, it would just it would, it would keep going. And I think the, the markets were sort of anticipating that because – um, I mean, the long-term price that we haven't seen move beyond $30, $32 for nearly five years, all of a sudden September jumped up to 40 bucks. And, and I, think, I think, you know, ourselves, like a lot of people thought, here we go. Uh, but, but for the most part, we haven't seen those prices move. They plateaued at that point and, and carried on for the rest of the year at that level. And although uh, I think a lot of the equities kept kept riding high, um, at some point, uh, the equity market realized that, that, wait a minute, it's kind of stalled for a bit and we better take a beat. So we, we saw, yes, as you said, we saw a lot of the equities sort of come off through November and December. Yeah, it's been. I think uranium has been for the last two and a half years. Certainly for us, uh, you know, an emotional ride in the, in the sense that there's always a catalyst. There's always someone else's responsibility to kind of drive the price. And I think we had John Jim Paglia on our. Um, private investment platform, just talking about it. And I think even he's saying, well, you know, the obvious thing is I need people to invest in us to allow us to release the capital to go and buy these pounds. And I think they just bought a million pounds today, which was obviously good news indeed. But there's something else that's happened in the market, which has really <laughs> driven a little bit of excitement. And that's Kazakhstan. What's your take on what's going on over there? Oh, well, sure. Well, you know, certainly political risk is, is always a consideration in resource investing, unlike most other investments. You don't have because uh, most of us, all of, you know, most of the, uh, the mining opportunities you'd be investing in are actually have assets in other jurisdictions. So it, it is a big issue. Um, what's happened in Kazakhstan, we, we really have to wait and see. Certainly, Kazatoprom has, has mentioned that uh, it hasn't disrupted things at all. Um, Cameco has... Uh, somewhat allude to the same, but again, they say we, we kind of have to wait and see. Um, it's certainly not the first time we've seen that in the, in the uranium space, even in 2010, there was a military coup in Niger that uh, kind of stopped everything over there for a bit. And at the time, I think they were the fourth, third or fourth largest producer of uranium. So all of a sudden the military marches in and says, we're going to re, uh, reevaluate all of our uranium and gold uh, agreements. And things happen. And, you know, that's been smoothed out since it was 10, 12 years ago, but it's certainly, you know, an, an aspect of the industry we live in. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how, how the Kazakh story um, pans up in the next few um, days and weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine an ISR uh, project stopping because that flow has got to flow somewhere. So uh, we, we, should, we, should, we should see if it's effective production, uh, uh, I guess, over the next, next few while, a few weeks or so. Um, look, I, I want to talk about, I don't want to talk about the macro stuff with you. I want to talk about your take on last year for you guys. You seem to have followed the trend, which whatever was happening in the market, it, 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 you, you followed it. And, it, and that's not a bad thing to say in the sense that if, you know, if you're not, in the game, you're, you're not in the game, and you've managed to stay in the stay in the game here. Um, we should, should we just quickly remind some any newbies about your Hook Lake and Smart Lake project um, JVs there. So we just 
quickly. Well, sure. We, well, we, we were, we drilled that project last, last winter as we, we spoke about um, this year, we're, we're moving our, our efforts towards a different area of that project. And we, we put out a video and we put out information and news on it um, because of what we've seen and learned over the last 10 years, and particularly a lot of the uh, research that came out of the Canadian geological survey we're really understanding that whole region in a very different way and seeing where a lot of this uranium was sourced from and where, how it moved and, and how the, the uh, mineralization occurred. So we're, we're kind of looking in a, in a bit of a different direction and our partners have, uh, you know, want to make sure that we go out and we're doing, we're doing geophysics first before we start drilling again, because it is just off the Patterson. It's to the, to the West of Patterson. There's another corridor referred to as the, the Carter corridor. It's, actually closer to the uh, heat source that we now understand was, was mobilizing uranium at the, back in the day. And, uh, and, it, uh, and it was one of the first places we, we drilled 10 years ago and, and found mineralization back in that one drill program. But immediately after that was when things really lit up on Patterson and we moved our efforts over there. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new angle on hook we're taking right now. Um, we're going to, uh, we're not going to be doing probably any drilling this year. We'll, we'll see what happens later in the year, but, um, as, as with always with our partners, they want to make sure that we've, we've done our homework before we start poking a drill on the ground. Yeah. But, um, but they don't have the same financial pressures that you do, whether, whether that be in terms of share price performance or, or, or cash, cash, uh, in, at hand. So are they moving at the pace you need them to, or expected them to? I think, I think we would have liked to be out there sooner. Because we're kind of in, in different in different places. Again, they, they they're working with it in a different time frame. They deal in you know five ten year increments, and we're dealing in in one month to month. Um, so you know when we and this has happened historically as well. We'll wind up in a year where actually money is available to us. We would like to put more money into into uh, that project or those projects. There's also a Smart Lake project that we JV, and it happens to be a year when they're they're conserving their efforts or they're moving their focus in other areas. So, um, you know, that we're still, you know, if there's a competition internally, it's with the East because their focus is more on finding more feed for their mills that they're going to need in 10 years, as opposed to coming up with some net new something on the other end. So th there is, there is a bit of a, there is a bit of trade-off there, but, um, it comes and goes and, and by and large, we, we've, We've never had huge disagreements as to what, where, and how much we should be spending. Right. I think that I think this is always an interesting conversation when juniors talk to me about, oh, we've got a, a major involved and they're a JV partner and they put X millions of dollars towards this over the next five, eight years, whatever. It's um, and then they come back with the tails between the leg, you know, within twelve months, going, ah, we didn't find what they wanted us to find, so they've they've gone right. You're you, but you've got Cameco and Arano as, as partners on both projects. Well, Cameco and Arano one. On, on Hook Lake and Cameco and Smart Lake, but they're still at the table. You're still working with them. They are still financially invested. Very much so. Very much so. You know, I, I mean, in many, many periods over the last 10 years, we've offered actually to do even more work, but they did not want to take the, uh, the dilution in their equity piece in those projects. I mean, they, uh, um, they're very still remain very very focused and and interested in in moving that project along. Right, but but, but and again, coming kind of back to this, you know, I made reference to your share price, you know, tracking and, and following the the, sure. the ebb and flow of, of, of uranium uh, equities across the board. I think you know your your profile looks the same as most of your peers, quite frankly, to me. Um, For sure. 
but, but we've also had to, to open up in terms of, I mean, we remember we only own 21% of that project and only, well, that's enough, but um, we have a lot of other projects that we need to start developing and we need to start creating that's value. That's what I want to talk to you about. That's, that's what I want to talk to you about um, um, you know, um, today, because, um, you know, Chris, we, you know, we had a very frank conversation the first time we ever spoke and, you know, people should go and watch that interview and get a bit of sense of you and the, and the team and how you're approaching this thing. But you can't just sit and you know on the coattails of the market in the hope that it might drive your market cap or your share price. You've got to take control. So you've got ten other projects you're hundred percent owners of. So what are you focused on? Because again, limited cash. You've got to you've got to get focused on stuff that's going to drive uh, interest and drive that share price. So what do you do? Right. Well, you know, again, we've we've. It, it's interesting to go you know to open up a lot of these projects. Um, with with 10 years more experience behind us in terms of what we've seen. We've been doing drilling right across the basin from one end to the other. We've been seeing different levels of mineralization, different settings for this stuff, and, and really have a different understanding of what we're looking at from time to time. Last year was very much you know, the application of a lot of that learning and going, going to these projects. We drilled, uh, I mean, we just finished up um, our fifth project drill program um, at, at Henday, we're waiting for the results on that one. But the first four, we drilled at Hook. We drilled at the Hinge Zone in, in Red Willow. We drilled at uh, Geneva at Red Willow. And we drilled at Umpherville. And we, we've come back with mineralization on all of those projects and an understanding of where we go next. Umpherville was probably the most interesting because we'd never drilled it before. So it's a bit of a, it was a bit of a fingers crossed as we go up there. And in the first hole, we hit mineralization. So it, it, it goes to show that we we know how to vector in and we know how to look for this stuff and, and find but it. But give me some numbers here. But give me, give me some, you do need to expand on it because if he's, I, I just don't, I don't want people to walk away and think, oh, that was a bit vague. Give me some numbers here because finding mineralization and people, you know, that, that that's kind of bordering on, oh, I was a technical success. And we know what that is code word for, right? Mm -hmm. So what sort of mineral, mineral, mineralization were you finding? Is it giving you the sense that there's going to be, these are economic or could become economic discoveries? Well, of course, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, maybe the best example is where we're focusing now. We have just started drilling at Red Willow's Osprey Zone. All right, and this is this is the area again. We consistently are reprioritizing. Osprey is an area where we have um, historically seen a lot of mineralization. We're looking at it in a different way now. And and when you say how much, well, we found five six meters of 0.19 percent, you know, 0.2 percent. This is the type of stuff we've seen there. One hole like that does not, you know, we've hit as high as three percent in some of these holes. That doesn't necessarily mean you're you're you know you've found a deposit. It just means that you've now found something to chase. And what we're focusing on right now this this winter at Osprey is a, is a zone. It's a it's a lens of mineralization that we've been able to identify that we hope is on the edge of something bigger. And and there is um, you know we'll be drilling twenty holes out there and and three thousand meters and and expanding on something now that we know is is something. It's not just a hole. It's not just a technical success. It's something that we can now expand on and make bigger and just and determine how big it is. And what does that mean? Tell me what that means. You, you, you've got a hole, you, you, understand, you obviously understand that. When you say you expand it and make it bigger, what are you, what are you trying to paint a picture of here? Because I, 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 I just, otherwise you're just drilling 3000 meters and, and, and you're still kind of hoping that, you know. You, oh, sure, sure. You know, so, so what was the plan? I mean, we, we literally have, have put 
four holes through something we can now draw a picture of. It's not just a hole with a bunch of spiky things on it. It's a, it's, it, it is, I don't want to call it a deposit because it's not big enough yet to be called a deposit. It's a lens, but it is something that, that is of size that we can now move north and south from or east and west from and try and or, or go to depth. This is open in a number of different areas. So depending on what the geological setting is, this thing can go in a couple of different ways. Again, this is a process. You know, one hole doesn't give you a resource. Um, so yeah, but it might give you a discovery. If I look at some of your peers, they, they've drilled one hole and go, hey, we've made a discovery here. We're, we're very confident what we've got. And I'm like, one hole equals discovery? That's, a, that's I mean, it doesn't make sense no. to me, but no. that is the language being used out there. So why, why aren't you more optimistic? Because it gets, it gets picked up by social media and it gets picked up in the press releases. And, and, and you, will, you will find us, I'm sorry, using those terminology whenever we can without getting crazy about it. But the fact is, this is a process. And I mean, you know, and Spitfire is a good example of that. Um, you know, I can tell you what our first couple of holes at Spitfire looked like, and they were, they were great. They were, they were spectacular. And it turned into something. But at the end of the day, you know, it was only so big. And I'm not allowed to tell you how big it was because we haven't issued a report on it. But it, it wasn't big enough to be mineable at the time and particularly for our partners. But once we were able to start to identify that there's, there, was ex, there was extended mineralization, not just a hole, not just a seam or a seep, it was, it was something bigger, then you start following it in a variety of different directions. You determine how big it actually is. Um, you know, you don't have to, you know, you, you have to drill something so much in order to be able to issue it as a resource estimate, but you don't have to get anywhere near that to know what, what is actually there. I mean, we can, you know, in 10 minutes um, with the information we've, we've disclosed, you could figure out how much is in Spitfire. You could figure out how much is in the hurricane or Moore Lake or any of these things where they haven't got a resource estimate yet. And, and you can either decide to not go for the end game and just keep poking holes in it and putting out good press releases, or you can actually try and turn it into a real mineable asset. And that, that really is, to your point, what we need to do if we're going to have any longevity in the game. If this is just a matter of, you know, playing the stock market for the next year or two while things are hot, well, you know, that's, that's, that's the way you can go. But that's not the way we chose to go. But, but you kind of got to get that balance right. You, you kind of do need to also play the oh, market yeah. while it's hot because you're going to raise cheaper, cheaper money as a result, right? Um, you know, you got up as high as, what, 20 cents? In the middle of last for a moment. year, for a moment, for, for a brief, <laughs> for a brief moment, and and you know, yeah. and, and sixteen, seventeen cents after the the spot fiscal uranium sure. trust deal, right? So you, you do have to play the market, and you do have to be nimble and look after shareholders by doing what everyone else does. Quite frankly, it has to be it has to be a balance, and that's why you know that's why you know this year, as we as I say, we're going to focus on on Red Willow and Osprey because we know. We know we can deliver results that people can understand. We can know we can start turning this into a picture. We know we can start expanding on 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 something that that is there. And uh, you know, a lot of the work we did last year was really to help us reprioritize that and to figure out where we could where we could drive the most value, not just by coming up with with the odd hole with with high results, but actually start to paint a picture of of something that is growing into a deposit. Okay, so have you learned? Have you learned any lessons the, the hard way or just by being observant uh, last year about the way that you need to behave this year, not just in terms of the market stuff, in terms of 
allocation of capital. You talk, you talk about, you're referencing Red Willow and Osprey, obviously yeah. here, but does it make sense to focus on one project with the capital that you've got so this story is a little bit simpler for people to understand? That's a balance. It, it, is, it still remains a balance. I mean, um, I, think, I think one of the lessons learned is, is you, if you try and over-promote one project, it, it could catch up with you too easily. The odds are it will catch up with you. Um, you know, in the next drill program. So, you know, you ha- it, it is a balance. And uh, um, I think, I think our, in, our, in our case, we want to make sure that we can consistently show and demonstrate that we are delivering results. They may not be the, uh, no, I mean, we want to consider, we should be able to deliver results on an ongoing basis because that's what we're starting with. We're starting from a, a point where we, where we know where things are, we understand our projects and, and we understand where those opportunities are. And we will now be able to really drive value by expanding on, on, on those, that understanding. Yeah, and look, and I, I get the, ba- the balance argument here because I, we've, we've seen some of your peers just tackle one, one project at a time and it's easy to understand. It either works or it doesn't work. It's fairly binary, right? And we've seen some of your peers are sitting with 20 plus projects in the portfolio and people are like, I don't know where to look. Right. And that, and that hasn't worked as well for them. And that, that is a learning from last year. I would say that absolutely that's a learning um, that we came away with is that the market wants to focus on something. They want, they want to talk about something, one thing. Um, because let's face it, exploration companies aren't so much a business as they are a project and, or an accumulation of projects. And so people want that project that they can focus on. And, uh, um, and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get focused this year on, like I say, on, on, on the Osprey zone and, and on Turner Lake, which is another one that we have found. We found over the last year, there was a lot of interest in that because of its proximity to, to Hurricane and Rock and, and some of the other stuff that's happened in that area. So from a, from a, uh, from a communication standpoint, yeah, I think you do need to get more focused on, on particular projects. Okay. So I think we, I think we're in violent agreement that, that uranium is a very hot Topic and will continue to be the, this this year. So, if the supply demand fundamentals part of that story, you know, starting to become more and more true with you know re- reduced pr- production. We've got you know stories being pumped into the market, like 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 what the effect of um, is going on in Kazakhstan and how that's going to affect supply. Um, we've seen Sprott moving in and, and, and sweeping up, you know, um, pounds in the market, which is, which is all kind of good stuff, but. I also noticed that you sat, you, you, you did a panel recently and, and it was framed as the next generation of uranium produ- um, producers, right? There's a, that's a big category. <laughs> the, the, there's the handful <laughs> of producers and then there's everyone else, right? But I'm, I'm interested. In, I, I think that people should have uranium in their, in their portfolio for sure as investment. I think there's money to be made. Where would you position yourself within that sort of vast category of next generation of uh, uranium producers because some are closer than others, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't name that panel. No, but, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I think, I think if, if, you look, if, you, if you look at our peers, if you look at who's doing what, what you will see is that we are, we are truly looking for a mine. We are not looking for the one great hole that we can press release four times we are looking for a mine, and we have been learning from our partners how to do that. We've been learning what is a mine and what isn't a mine, and we've been also learning that you know odds are 
you know, that one project isn't going to produce the mine. You need, you need to hedge your bets and you need to have a lot going on as much going on as you possibly can, can manage and, uh, and, and move it along. So I think, you know, we have got projects that aren't, haven't been passed around that we've been working carefully, maybe too slowly for some people's likings, but that's been the market over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, but, but now that we can, we can pick up and move these things along and, you know, we know within our project portfolio where the, the highest odds are that we have something that is mineable at the end of the day. And, and that is where our focus can be. Uh, we're not greenfield anymore. We're, you know, we're advancing. We have advanced exploration projects that are well understood that we can now start expanding on to determine whether there is something there of, 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 of true value. And that will last longer than a press release or a bump in a uranium price or, or what have you. So as long as right now we're, we're moving with the tide, we're, we're, you know, our boat is floating with everybody else's, um, I think over the coming year, you're going to see that we're going to be able to put out results that are far more meaningful, more for, far more long-lived um, than, than a lot of our peers. Well, I, th- I think that's important. I mean, the, the companies got to base, base themselves on, on, on fundamentals, not storytelling. Um, well, to a large, large, large degree, I think that's true. Um, so if I, if I look at Hook Lake and Smart Lake, it's kind of business as usual. You're moving along with your partners at the pace, which I, I guess they, they determine. What happens if they do jump away and say, you know, well, actually, one, um, we don't have the budget for it, or we... We'll, we 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 want to step away from this. What happens next? Do you you're going to need someone else's balance sheet and someone else to come in and pay well, for your? We have to make sure that that's not a company killer, right? Well, that, that's, that, that's a great point. So, how do right. you do that? Well, we we we've done it in in a number of ways in terms of our agreement with them. We are not we are not beholden to them in 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 a business sense. Um, we can move on. We could we could sell that asset. To someone with a longer-term perspective than we have, I mean, to be honest, if they if they decide to park it for a while, that doesn't do us or our investors a whole lot of good, um, because you know we we need more near-term results, and we have a portfolio that that can deliver those near-term results. Um, that's not the case right now. I mean, the, in terms of, of their intention, they're you know we're certainly moving those projects along, and we'll continue to. But to your point, we will be paced to a degree. Um, and, and right now, um, we certainly haven't been, uh, you know, there's nothing that would lead us to believe that they want to abandon those projects. That's not, that's not the situation at all. Um, they just move at a different pace than we do. And, and that gives us an opportunity during this time to really start to develop, um, our other projects that gives us the, that makes sure that, that, you know, one event is not going to take us off the map. So, but, but given that they are the majority shareholders here, I mean, surely you've only got one buyer there and which, which case, and if they don't want to move on it, not much you can do. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't want to move on it. I don't want to buy your shares off of you. It does, you know, I know you use the phrase company killer. Not the shares. We could sell the project if you, we wanted to. You could. Who too? Surely it's going we to be don't want to. We're not. We have no plans to do that. No, I know that. I, mean, I, I understand if we're that. Playing hypothetical. Yeah, here, yeah. Then, then absolutely. There's, there's. I mean, you know. Again, I go back to the fact that we're, you know, we're an explorer. We have more near-term um, expectations from our investors. That's why they they invest in us, and you know, instead of somebody else. So, if 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 this project doesn't serve our investors, 
we have to make sure that it, it can't it doesn't kill the you know yeah and, 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 and I guess you you'd want to get cash for whatever sale if it were like we're all hypothetical here let's make clear here everyone hypothetical situation is you'd want cash you can't afford to just take stock or shares in some other company sure. which you get a hold but for there's a while. but I mean I can tell you there are there are developers there's 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 people with longer longer term perspectives and milestones um than 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 we're we're allowed to have that that would wouldn't mind waiting five years or ten years if that was the case. Okay, um, let, let's let's get back now onto a slightly less hypothetical Jeez, situation. Now you got me selling off Hook Lake. I know, like, right? Just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. It's too good. It's too big. Um, okay, but, but with regards to um, you know developing your your own por- the the rest of the portfolio, talk to me about money. What what have you got today? What's the plan for this year in terms of spend? Are you going sure. to raise some cash? Well, we we had expected to raise um, to do a larger raise at the end of last year. But as things started to drop off, it really didn't make sense for us um, because we have, I mean, we've got over $4 million in the bank, we've got lots of money to do what we want to do. Um, you know, uh, we, we'd certainly expect the markets to pick back up this year and get a little more stable. Um, and, uh, and, and so we will, you know, we, we hope to do a, a larger raise this year as well to, to maintain the momentum we've got. Um, we certainly have have adequate funds to get us through the year. But, um, you know, hopefully this, this would be the year to, uh, you know, to do a much larger raise and, and set ourselves up for, a, for a, uh, you know, a longer term perspective. Well, it, it, we seem, seem to be um, heading, heading into a storm uh, for uranium, uh, a, a good one. Um, so let, let's see how quickly that manifests itself. Um, Chris, great to catch up with you. Um, I'm intrigued by the, the money raise and the timing of that. And I suspect that's going to be, you know, you trying to wait to see what happens with, with Spurt, what happens with Kazakhstan, what happens with uh, the, the, all the other um, uh, catalysts that people are talking about on, on uh, the Twitter sphere. Um, we'll see you soon. And perhaps maybe um, you come back on the show and get a little bit technical with one of our analysts on, on the drill side of things. Um, so with sure. regards to sure. Red, Will- Red Willow and what you're up to there. We can do that for sure. Beautiful, beautiful. Great. Okay, so, well, thanks. Good to see you. Happy New Year. And we'll see you Same soon. Thank you, Matt. Same to you. Be safe, be well, take care.